Welcome to Life Point Plus, a program dealing with marriages and family. We are so glad you're listening. Here's your host, pastor and teacher, Gary Moore. Welcome to Life Point Plus. I'm your host, Gary Moore. We are continuing to look at love through the eyes of Drs. Les and Leslie Parrott. The Parrots tell us that if we are to cultivate the habit of happiness with our partner, we will need to avoid the poisons of self-pity, blame, and resentment. Having looked at self-pity and blame, we were just finishing our look at resentment when our time ran out last week. Every couple about to be married, whether they admitted it or not, harbors dreams of a perfect life together. Many newlyweds say how lucky they felt on their wedding day to have met someone who understood them, who shared their likes and dislikes, and who was so compatible with them. Yet, no matter how ideally suited they are, at some point every husband and wife realize that theirs is not a perfect match. They become aware that they do not always agree, that they do not think, feel, and behave in exactly the same manner, that merging their two personalities and preferences and backgrounds is much more difficult than they ever expected. Their bubble is burst, and they resign from the hope of living happily ever after. But there is an alternative. Marriages can never be perfect because people are not perfect. Being human, every bride and groom has faults as well as virtues. We are at times gloomy, cranky, selfish, or unreasonable. We are a mixture of generous, altruistic feelings combined with self-seeking aims, petty vanities, and ambitions. We unite love and courage with selfishness and fear. Marriage is an alloy of gold and tin. If we expect more than this, we are doomed for disappointment. So how can a couple live happily ever after? Well, not by depending on externals. Too many couples view marriage as winning the lottery. They got lucky, and now they will have interesting and exciting experiences. Now they will be loved and affirmed. Now they will be fulfilled. But marriage is not like winning the lottery, at least not what we like to think winning the lottery would be. An unexpected cash windfall would certainly make you happy, but only for a short time. Researchers have discovered that a random event, being lucky, occurring without your input does not create long-term happiness. You need a sense of mastery, of control, the feeling that something good has happened because you caused it to happen. Living happily ever after only works when you make it work. When you take the raw materials of marriage, the good and the bad that you have brought together as persons to design, create, and build a lasting bond, the result is an enduring and meaningful sense of genuine fulfillment. If, on the other hand, you are counting on the magic of marriage to make you happy, the relationship will leave you crushed, lonely, feeling like a failure, and resigned to your despair. The habit of happiness is an inside job. If you find the right attitude in spite of atmospheric conditions, if you program your mind with positive impulses, and if you adjust to things beyond your control, 
you will discover that living happily ever after need not be a myth. Now let's shift our gears and begin to talk about communication. It's the general consensus among couples that the number one problem they face in marriage is a breakdown in communication. I personally believe that mutual understanding is more important than communication, since without mutual understanding, you won't really have communication. Without mutual understanding, you make assumptions as to why your spouse is doing and acting the way they are. And when we make assumptions, we always make them in such a way as to protect our position. Whether a marriage sinks or swims depends on how well partners send and receive messages, how well they say what they mean and understand what they hear. Communication can either buoy relational intimacy or be the dead weight leading to its demise. The parrots say that the best time to build communication skills is when things are going well, usually in the very earliest stages of marriage. Research measuring how well engaged couples communicate compared to how well they communicate six years into their marriage shows that by learning effective skills early on, they greatly increase their chances for success in marriage. Fortunately, communication is a learned skill. And when preceded by what I term the mutual understanding method, you can become more understanding and better understood. Well, what happens when both partners struggle to convey what they want or need in the relationship, never realizing they are speaking a language the other does not comprehend? Over the disappointment, the partners erect defenses against each other becoming guarded. They stop confiding in each other. They wall off parts of themselves and withdraw emotionally from the relationship. They can't talk without blaming, so they stop listening. One spouse might even leave, but if both stay, they live together in an emotional divorce. I call it living alone together. In a recent poll, almost all, 97%, who rate their communication with their partner as excellent are happily married, compared to only 56% who rate their communication as poor. The poll concluded, In an era of increasingly fragile marriages, a couple's ability to communicate is the single most important contributor to a stable and satisfying marriage. My recommendation, based on my personal experience and with coaching couples for over 16 years, is that you begin with the mutual understanding method, which will pave the way for healthy communication. Having difficulties with communication does not bode well for marital satisfaction. In fact, one of the most important skills you can learn is how to talk so your mate will listen, and how to listen so your mate will talk. Mutual understanding will help create an emotionally safe environment where communication efforts can be attempted. Communication obstacles exist between every husband and wife. Everyone grows up with a unique set of communication rules, and marriage forces two people with two different sets of rules to renegotiate them. The truth is, you can't not communicate. Everything you do communicates. It's a matter of what and how you are communicating. 
Picture in your mind a cartoon that depicts a grumpy husband reading the paper, his aggrieved wife standing in front of him with her arms folded. He is saying, Do we have to try to save our marriage while I'm reading the sports page? His reaction points to one of the most common complaints of unhappy spouses. He or she doesn't talk to me. Whenever a marriage is disintegrating, the partners conclude, we just can't communicate, or we just don't talk to each other anymore. They believe the failure to talk is the cause of their problems. Actually, the non-talking is not a lack of communication, but a form of communication that sends a surplus of negative messages. In fact, silence is a powerful communicator. The parrots say that silence, however powerful, is not the cause of poor communication. The fear of pain is. It is basic to human nature to seek pleasure and avoid pain. But people actually avoid pain first and then seek pleasure. This point is crucial to understanding breakdowns in communication because most of them occur when we urgently want to avoid the emotional pain of feeling inadequate, vulnerable, fearful, and so on. Under these potentially painful circumstances, communication goes awry. When we feel inadequate, we are communicating, if you really knew what I was like, you might not like me. When we feel vulnerable, if I told you my real feelings, you might hurt me. Or fearful, if I expressed my anger, it would destroy you. Or if I told you how I felt, you would get angry. According to Drs. Les and Leslie Parrott, four styles of miscommunication result when we feel threatened. One, placating. Two, blaming. Three, computing, and four, distracting. Let's look first at placating. The placator is a yes-man or woman, ingratiating, eager to please, and apologetic. Placators say things like, whatever you want, or never mind about me, it's okay. They want to keep the peace at any price, and the price they pay is feelings of worthlessness. Because placators have difficulty expressing anger and hold so many feelings inside, they tend toward depression and, as studies show, may be prone to illness. Placators need to know it's okay to disagree. Blaming The blamer is a fault finder who criticizes relentlessly and speaks in generalizations. You never do anything right. You're just like your mother. Inside, blamers feel unworthy or unlovable, angry at the anticipation they will not get what they want. Given a problem, blamers feel the best defense is a good offense because they are incapable of dealing with or expressing pain or fear. Blamers need to learn to speak on their own behalf without indicting others in the process. Computing The computer is super reasonable calm and collected, never admits mistakes, and expects people to conform and perform. The computer says things like, Upset? I'm not upset. Why do you say I'm upset? Afraid of emotion, he or she prefers facts and statistics. 
I don't reveal my emotions, and I'm not interested in anyone else's. Computers need someone to ask how they feel about specific things. Distracting. The distractor resorts to irrelevancies under stress, avoiding direct eye contact and direct answers. Well, our time is gone for today. Tonight is the couples conference. It starts at 7 p.m. and will be held at Cloverdale Church of God. You can still register at my website, mutualunderstanding.net. I hope to see you tonight. Have a great weekend. God bless. Thank you for listening today. This program is brought to you by Cloverdale Church of God. If you would like to reach Pastor Gary, please email him at pastorgary at cloverdalechurch.org. To know more about the church, go to our website at www.cloverdalechurch.org. Thanks for listening and be blessed.